Oh gosh. All right. <laughs> you read it? <laughs> I just read it. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Nuts and struts versus nuts and guts. It's King Kong Escapes. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, so nuts and struts is Mecha Kong. Mechanicong. Nuts and guts. Yeah, Mechanicong. And nuts and guts is our organic Kong. <laughs> organic Kong. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I like it. I like it. That's how that's how we start our show here at Monsters vs. Men, <laughs> the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. Mm-hmm. This week, as we try to let, stay alive, we're discussing, of course, King Kong Escapes. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And Alex, as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, let's start with one of our patron AMA questions. We are down to four now. Um, two. Pick a number. Number two. All right. Uh, this comes from Kyoitoshi again, okay. and she says, "Isn't it time to move on from Toho and do some Super Sentai, not the faux poser poser diluted version that has Power Rangers <gasps> thanks, <laughs> or at least room, the rumored Universal Monsters?" <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow! Hmm. Wow, she had to do Power Rangers like that, huh? I mean, she's not wrong I think though. She did. Probably, I can't. I can't vouch because I haven't watched enough of both. But I think it's funny that I picked that right after we go into another Toho movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's probably time to leave Toho behind, at least for a few more movies. Yes, now we are leaving Toho behind. We're sticking with Kong here until the end of the series. And uh, Super Sentai, maybe not. <laughs> because we, we haven't done we haven't done TV series yet, but... Um, I don't know, we could we could do some we could do some Super Sentai reviews as it, maybe MVM Plus content, Alex. Ooh, that could be interesting. That could be interesting. Um, and yes, we have been thinking about Universal Monsters as a future series mm-hmm. because we are monsters versus men. So yes. we shall see. That's something that is rumored. It might happen. The rumors are possibly definitely true at some point (laughs) (laughs) we shall see we shall see but for now we are thoroughly in it (laughs) (laughs) we lost you for a second i'm trying to think of that word i lost that word we are thoroughly entrenched in king kong Mm -hmm. uh we're right in the middle of it uh and king kong escapes i will say is kind of a departure from the norm, probably, within this King Kong series. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you have to remember, I mean, I know you know this, but King Kong vs. Godzilla did come before this. So now we've got yeah. two Toho and two OG, or two American true. series. So at this point, we're tied. Yeah. And I mean, King Kong vs. Godzilla is one of our favorites. Like, we both really like that film. Um, and so I'm curious how you felt about King Kong Escapes, Alex. You wrote the introduction this time. You want to get us started? Yeah. So after King Kong vs. Godzilla, Honda returned with a fury to the furry, but this time with a mechanical twist. Do you think this film was an opportunity missed 
Or did it have a message that left you sun-kissed? Ooh, sun-kissed? Like I've just been on the beaches of Italy. Yeah, just like you've been (laughs) on the beaches of Italy. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that sun-kissed message, Alex. In fact, I'm not (laughs) quite sure if there really is some sort of grand message here. You know, there were more subtle messages that we didn't really even get into when it comes to King Kong and Son of Kong that I think we'll probably explore more as the series progresses. You see kind of some of those messages overlapping, I think, Mm -hmm. and kind of being... um, There's layers added to it as we watch more and more of these films. But this one might not add to those layers when it comes to messaging. But I think this is definitely a different take on the character and one that I don't think we should underestimate in terms of its influence. Hmm. Both this film and King Kong versus Godzilla both have a significant influence, I believe, uh, as to how we actually see King Kong as a character, even if we didn't know it before watching these films. You know, we mentioned that Son of Kong last week built sympathy for the character, but in King Kong versus Godzilla, um, which is the first real Kong film released since Son of, Kong, Son of Kong, we get that even larger and even more womanizing ape. And in this film, we get a Kong that becomes a hero. Um, so did you think about the, the Japanese Toho influence on the Kong series after watching this film? Not really. He's definitely influenced how I feel about Kong, but I don't know if he influenced how other people have made Kong, especially in the movie following this one. I think most of the influence derived from Kong is from Son of Kong. That, you know, that personality-filled and heroic little ape, or big ape. Because he's definitely (laughs) heroic in this. And I don't think American filmmakers took inspiration from the King Kong vs. Godzilla version or this one. I really feel like the version that they used was maybe the Son of Kong version. Uh, I mean, the DNA of him sprinkled on top of the story of the original. Because I wouldn't be surprised for them to never even watch these, even if they are filmmakers doing this property. I just, I don't know what it is, but I feel like that barrier is pretty huge between the two cultures, especially back then. But, you know, I could be wrong. I would be interested to see what happens in the next, in the next film in our series, because I feel like it would be a natural evolution from uh, King Kong, Son of Kong, and then whatever they have in store for us next week in terms of technology and storytelling but I am definitely, now that you've pointed it out, going to keep an eye out for any Toho influence next week. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I think maybe it has influenced my perception, even subtly, of the character. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if there's any influence on the American iterations for sure. But let's, let's talk about Kong's design for a second. Uh, I think it's a real step up from King Kong versus Godzilla in terms of his facial expressions and body design. Um, I actually like the body design in in King Kong versus Godzilla. He had those long arms, um, <laughs> yeah. but here he has more of like this uh, bodybuilder style bod <laughs> with very little leg muscle. Right? He's yeah. also surprisingly he definitely fast. skips leg day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally he's totally skips from uh, regular show, Alex. Oh yes, yes he is skips <laughs> from regular show. <laughs> <laughs> but he's surprisingly fast and surprisingly big. You know, this this Kong feels like a giant monster. Um, 
it, I, th- I believe it's bigger than the original. I might be wrong, but it feels bigger. Um, but going back yeah. to those facial expressions, there's genuine emotion at times. I mean, sure, he still has a screwed up looking face, <laughs> but <laughs> it looks less like a costume or a puppet here, and he's able to express emotion. Is Andy Circus? Well, no, but it's an improvement. <laughs> and to be honest, the action, though, I will say, I think it's a step back from its 34-year predecessor, which is really something, again, to applaud King Kong and even Son of Kong for looking back. That stop-motion action is just something I don't think Toho ever could afford um, once they went down the path of, of men in suits. And I like I like men in suits, but um, yeah. I, don't, I think the stop-motion of, of King Kong is really a feat to behold. It really is. And and I think you've hit the nail on the head with why those older movies really impressed me. Even Son of Kong, probably the key word there, because there is a much lower budget film than King Kong, and it still makes the action in this look pretty poor. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did enjoy the Kong versus Gorosaurus fight. I thought that was actually pretty entertaining. But anything between Kong and Mechanicong was really stiff. And I I did not find those portions enjoyable. That kind of leads me to my biggest complaints of the film. Uh, There's two moments in particular. The first is fake Skull Island, um, (laughs) which is a way it has what everything that happens on the island goes on for too long with too little happening, especially when they return to, I'm going to keep calling it Skull Island, especially when they return to Skull Island to capture Kong. It feels like it takes five minutes for them to get him all buttoned up and taken away. Mm -hmm. And then for me, the big finale lacks a ton of impact, mostly because of the fight between the two. When they're on Tokyo tower, anything that happens on it just for me is slow. It's plotting. It's pretty painful. I mean, it's, it lacks the energy of the fights from King Kong, Son of Kong, and King Kong versus Godzilla. Those all had a lot of energy in their fights. This is just yeah. slow and boring. Yeah. No, you know, the American edit uh, has about 10 minutes less oh, <laughs> of, really? of movie. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested in what it cut because there were those moments where you're like, is this really necessary right now? Um, because the pacing was slow. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I think the fight, for the most part, is pretty boring between Kong and Mechanicong. But I think being at, at Tokyo Tower elevates it. Um, you're going to have to use your imagination a little bit. But Tokyo Tower's got to be like the Japanese equivalent to the Empire State Building. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I love that they set the climax there. Um, but besides the monster action, I want to talk about the human characters for a second. Because this is a movie full of characters, and for the most part, in my opinion, the focus is less on our three heroes, Carl, Jiro, and Susan, and more on our villains, Doctor Who and Madame Piranha. And those aren't the made-up character names. Those are their real names. (laughs) (laughs) But these characters, they make the movie because of how, honestly, insane they are. Um, And a little spoiler here for the rest of our show, I'm not going to go too in-depth in these characters yet because they both appear in some of my awards. But what did you think about the characters? Yeah, I actually 
these characters are really fun, and they are the highlight of the movie for me. I think Doctor Who is really interesting, fun, over-the-top villain, who is just, like, really overly optimistic. Oh, man. Probably all the way up until his death. <laughs> and then... Yeah, he's... He, he's just so... He's just so humorous to me. And maybe it's just his overall hilarious. visual. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then we have Madame Piranha, who is just as interesting, but in none of the same ways. Mm-hmm. She comes off as merciless initially, especially when she's dealing with Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. But then there's this completely other side to her, and it almost feels like she falls in love with Carl Nelson for some reason. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I get the reason. He's pretty dreamy. But yeah. <laughs> she falls and then she switches sides at the end. And, you know, I, I don't want to go into her too much because I know she's going to be quite popping up in our awards. And maybe we'll talk about her a little more than we usually would in that section. But, you know, speaking of Carl Nelson, though, shoo, what a man's man. I mean, <laughs> this man can do anything. He's cool, calm, and collected at all times. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. And. The only two maybe disappointing characters, or not not even disappointing, but they just don't get enough development, is Geo and Susan Watson. Yeah, they 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 they're a little interesting. They've got certain little moments that make you invested in them just enough to not forget that they were in the movie, but they're pretty bland compared to the other trifecta of characters. Yeah, yeah. In general, I I definitely agree with that. I do think their romance is interesting in a sense yeah. because it's not what I expected when those three characters first appeared on screen, right? I, I agree. Um, and so I like that aspect of it. But um, a before we move into our rotating segment and our awards, real quick today on MVM Plus, we're going to be talking about Godzilla versus King Kong really happening with an official date. Um, so we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about any new year's resolutions we might've had Alex, um, as we approach February here and we're, <laughs> have you already like, uh, broken your resolutions? I'm wondering Alex. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to talk about movies from 2020 that we still want to watch, but we haven't quite gotten to yet. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be over at MVM plus, which you can listen to over at patreoncom slash MVM where you could become a bargain basement club member. Uh, we'd love to have you listen and, and join in and give us some feedback on our MVM plus, but yep. next up, Alex, we've got our, we got it wrong slash getting cultured with Koei Toshi. Ooh. All right. <laughs> So the, the first thing I want to talk about uh, before we get into Kyoitoshi's complaints is apparently the dinosaur we couldn't identify in the original Kong. There's some controversy around it, right? We had some people tweeting uh, about our misuse of, of proper dinosaur names. Mm-hmm. But then others have pointed out that, that the credits, it's, it's simply, um, it's attributed as simply a man eater, right? Is that what you got out of it, Alex? Is, is that the consensus? Kind of. Is that what- I mean, from Henry, I got that it was just a plain old T-Rex, but then I think it was formally at the time called man eater. Mm. So 
They're both the right. The controversy continues. They're both right. And you know what? Let them bloody each other over it. You know? Yeah. Let them fight. We, we, we will just say you both are right. And we'll, yeah, we'll let you battle it out uh, in a Kong versus Maneater slash Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah. battle. I will say I enjoyed Henry's thread on uh, the biology being consistently wrong throughout the episode and then us finally getting it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Biology is not our strong suit, especially my strong suit. We'll say that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but speaking of, of, other things that we got wrong. We got a message from Kyo Itoshi. Yeah, about last week's episode. I feel like... <laughs> yeah, this is, this is one that I feel like... Uh, this is one of the biggest ones where I just like shoot my head afterwards. I was like, I should have known better. <laughs> and Kyo sent me a message that says, You guys do realize the NRA in Son of Kong is not the nutty gun propaganda machine, but the National Recovery Administration founded by American President Roosevelt to help address the Great Depression in America. And uh, I just sent a message back that says, I feel completely stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyoitoshi knows all, I've realized. And yes. Hey, yeah. but you know what? I'm going to call her out real quick. She didn't message me about Krampus or Jingle All the Way. <laughs> <laughs> You think maybe she skipped those shows, Alex? I, I, I think maybe, or maybe you and me just hit it all. <laughs> maybe that's it. We got Krampus perfect. No, we got Jingle All the Way perfect, and she there was nothing. Yeah, there was uh, nothing else to add. There was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, no, that that is interesting, Alex. Um, and that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yes, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I like the idea, I kind of like... You like our reality better than the real one? Yeah, I kind of like our reality better than the real one. It's just interesting. <laughs> uh, that's all good. I, we It's not the first mistake uh, we've made, and it definitely will not be the last. We've probably made about four already in this show. So Yeah. This, the, <laughs> if you this have is those, probably King Kong probably isn't even in this movie that we just yeah, watched. Yeah, probably not. If you have those mistakes, you can always send them over to us at nvmpod at gmail.com. We would love to feature you on our We Got That Wrong segment. Please send us those mistakes. But let's move on to our awards, Alex, where it's hard to make mistakes because it's just our opinion. So, right. <laughs> Alex, your coolest character award, who'd you have? You know, I, I said it already a little bit, but Commander Carl Nelson, he's a man's man. He's cool under Alex, pressure. What you you like Carl's? I've realized you're you're kind of a Carl I, guy I after think, Carl Denham last week and Carl Nelson this week. Yeah, you know I can't resist. <laughs> but Carl, I, I like I really like that he's always cool, calm, and collected. Like even when his friends are like slowly freezing to death, he's really not worried. Like <laughs> it's just just he's not. playing chess. He's that's, just playing chess without that's too right. much worry. <laughs> that's right. He he's playing chess while everybody else mentally is playing checkers. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. What, what about you? Uh, so, so my coolest character is Madame Piranha, uh, um, who changes dramatically throughout this entire film. She starts off as being the boss. Right, yeah. she is the boss, um, and and she is kind of a dictator like character, um, someone 
that has uh, who fully in the palm of her hand, right? right. Um, but she turns into a character that sacrifices herself for her love of humanity, uh, which I think is interesting because to me, and I'll talk about this in our uh, here in a little bit in our rating and ranking, it reminds me a little bit of Terror of Mechagodzilla. Um, and oh, Doctor yeah. Who and her relationship reminds me of the father-daughter relationship we find in that movie huh. where the daughter ultimately, what does she do? She transforms as a character and sacrifices herself. Um, there's definitely that parallel between that movie and this movie. This was the precursor, it feels like, to that. Now, I, I, I was actually on the now, rest in peace, uh, Kaiju Apostle for... And the episode on this movie, and one of the things that caught me off guard was her switch. Why does mm-hmm. she switch? And my theory was that she couldn't stand to actually see the horrors that might be created. It made it more real for her, all these mm-hmm. people dying. Whereas yeah. initially, it's kind of like this arbitrary thing that's going to happen with her country in the future. So maybe it's not quite real, but then when there's actually that those like horrors about to happen, that's when we see her change to the other team and sacrifice hmm. herself and all this stuff. What do you think? My theory is that she has looked into the face of the other and sat down with the other and realizes like there's a human on the other side. There's like a living being on the other side and I can't commit acts of cruelty against an actual real life person. Ah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think too. Um, ah, man, Alex, that, that reminds me of a recommendation for you. There's this, there's a movie, um, uh, it used to be on Netflix. Unfortunately, it's not anymore. It's a documentary. Uh, and I believe it was oh. called white, right? Um, oh, no, that's not what I thought you were recommending. Did okay. you see this? Um, where this, this, uh, Muslim woman, sits down with some you know, 21st century KKK members uh, and has some actual conversations. And these people just by sitting down and having conversations with her change, right? Yeah. Like they've never done that before. They've never had a conversation uh, with someone different from themselves. And so they change. That's cool. uh, and I think that's what happens to Madame Piranha here. She sits down with someone that has goodness and she changes um, just by interacting with what she at once considered to be the other, right? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> most memorable line award. Um, wh- what did you have for your most memorable line award, Alex? Just so everybody knows, all of Eric's awards now come accompanied with a movie recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. That's the first movie recommendation I've given in an award ever. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying going forward. <laughs> <laughs> get ready um so uh my most memorable line award is madame piranha she says if the robot fails to get any element x it will be just a toy fighting the world i was like oh that's good. that's like a really interesting line because mechanic kong is not quite threatening so he really is kind of useless if he doesn't serve his main purpose right Right. Yeah. Um, and there's also I have, I have a I have a another uh, award. It, sure. It's sure. Um, 
Doctor Who, he's pushing the table back and forth with uh, Madame Piranha, and he keeps making this sound. <laughs> Every time he's exerting effort, and it is just so off-putting and disturbing. <laughs> yes, yes. Did you hear it? He, yeah, uh, no, but that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> like... <laughs> There's something going on with Doctor Who's like jaw or something that um, is yeah. just really interesting. Yeah, but my my uh, most memorable line comes from Carl, your favorite, yes. uh, and it's to Doctor Who, and he says, "You'd steal Niagara Falls for a drink of water." Right? Yes. <laughs> it was just so clever. I love that line. You steal Niagara Falls for a drink of water, and you know, Alex, this reminds me of the 1980 movie Superman Two. Um, which was filmed a bit in Niagara Falls. So oh. that's my movie recommendation for um, <laughs> my most memorable line of war, Superman 2. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what about here? I can't believe that acting award. Well, my can't believe that acting award has to go to Doctor Who himself, right? Um, mm-hmm. Hideo Amamoto. Um, he, Doctor Who, as a character, is just this interesting villain. Uh, he's like a politician. He he is overconfident until he fails, and then he shifts the blame to something else. And then he's <laughs> overconfident at his next you yes. know enterprise. And he's so brashful. <laughs> is that the word? Uh, he's, uh, he's 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 so. Um, oh, there's a word. word. He's abrasive. <laughs> um, yeah. But then he shifts the blame. You know, as soon as he is wrong, he he just shifts the blame. Uh, <laughs> It's it's quite comical. Honestly, he is probably the most villainous character we've seen on our show um, since Gamera versus Baragon, maybe, uh, Alex? Do you not remember Booster from Jingle All the Way? <laughs> <laughs> Booster was a sidekick. It depends on your point of view. A lot of people hated him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, uh, yeah. What about I, you? What was your can't believe that acting award? Uh, mine's got to be uh, May Hama, uh, who plays Madame Piranha. I think she just does a really good job of doing that cold, villainous act at the very beginning, and then that slow warming up throughout the rest of the film. Once she meets with Carl Nelson and she meets all of them, and she becomes a, a completely different character. And I just really mm-hmm. like the way she portrayed her throughout the film. Also, Piranha is a horror movie. Go watch it. I don't know if it's any good. Movie recommendation for this award. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> uh, the stand, Standout Effect Award, uh, what did you have this week? Uh, Kong's Teeth. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Kong has been doing some meth. <laughs> Not a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he is supposed to (laughs) represent. (laughs) What? I don't know if his teeth are supposed to represent the juxtaposition of him and Doctor Who and their uh, everlasting dichotomy. (laughs) Something's going on there. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> what about that's you? That's good. Yeah. Mine, mine is, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Alex, and, and we've, we both talked about how maybe the action was a step back in this film. But I will say the best action moment is the King Kong versus Gorosaurus fight. Mm. Um, and the moment that will stand out to me, well, there's two moments actually. Uh, the first is just Kong wailing on Gorosaurus and the sound design in those moments are awesome, uh-huh. right? Like you feel those blows. Um, and then you get those shots of Gorosaurus's little feet like twitching. <laughs> uh, and then you get a close up of, of Gorosaurus's struggling face. And then it ends with, of course, the bubbly foamy mouth yes. Gorosaurus, um, which is, is my standout effect award here. Uh, I think I'll just remember that shot for sure. (laughs) It's so odd, but also completely understandable with the rating they're going for. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so funny that a 33 film was more violent than this one, but I'm glad they was stuck with the, the mouth break is just, I did not realize how much of a staple this is for King Kong. It's a staple for sure. For sure. What about your, Oh, that's a good shot award. Uh, any close-up of Kong, because that face is <laughs> ugly. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, beautiful. The painted beautiful eyes, eyes, everything about that face is just like it's haunting in the very worst of ways. I, I agree. I still say I still say it's more expressive it than the other iterations. Um, I which, agree, which imp- except for Son of Kong may have been more expressive. Because remember, we read yeah. a lot of emotions off of that thing. Like, and maybe mostly yeah, it was did. body language or something. Mm-hmm. But if I remember right, we we saw a lot of emotion from him, like when he hit his head. We got that silly moment, or when yeah. he's walking around the corner and he sees Denim and uh, I forgot her name. Um, he see he sees them over by the campfire, and we get that moment of him like playing around. So yeah, I don't know if it's more expressive than Son of Kong. But it right. might be. No, you, you might be right. You might be right. Uh, it's definitely more expressive than King Kong in yeah. King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought uh, it was some of those close ups are pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> my, I, I my, like stand, my good shot award is actually the opposite of a close up. And it's that moment where they leave, they leave Skull Island <laughs> and they leave Kong behind. And they're, they're floating away and you just see Kong in like the one long shot of the movie. He's centered in the frame and you see the entire island behind him yeah. and he looks small and so, so sad in comparison as he's just being left there by himself. It is such a sad shot. <laughs> it's the one moment I feel bad for Kong, but I absolutely love the shot. It made me laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> it, well, at the same time, making me feel bad for Kong. Speaking of sad, <laughs> Eric's recommendation is Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that shot really reminded me of, of Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. And just how alone I felt at the end of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Uh, I guess that brings us to our rating and ranking. Eric. Sure. Yeah. So I will say this film feels exactly like a 1967 King Kong film directed by Ishra Honda should feel. (laughs) Because that's exactly what it is, right? Uh, And I say that a bit tongue in cheek. But what I mean by that is we get some fun characters. 
a pretty static camera, some B-level monster fights, a, a, an Akira Ifakube score, of course. But at the same time, we also just get some really interesting characters, some fun character dynamics, um, lovely villains, an interesting villain arc. I really do think, as I was mentioning earlier, that uh, Doctor Who and Piranha are a precursor to what we see in Terror of Mechagodzilla, mm-hmm. which I think does this plot line um, and does everything about this movie, but better. Uh, I do think Doctor Who is more of an evil villain in this one than we see later in, in Terror of Mechagodzilla, yeah. um, but I, I like both films. I also like the chemistry between Piranha and Carl, as we said, those brief, just how much uh, was there in that moment seemed to change Piranha um, as she transformed into someone that would ultimately help save the world. Um, I like that dynamic. But ultimately, I I agree with you and what you said earlier. The film is too long for what it is. And for being a monster movie, there isn't much about the monsters besides their design that interested me. So I'm going to give this one a three out of five. Okay. Would you get, where, where does that put it in your ranking? I think that puts it right above son of Kong uh, or maybe right at son of Kong, um, but below King Kong and King Kong versus Godzilla. Is King course. Kong versus what's your number one currently? Um, I'm going to have to say, I'll, I'll say King Kong 33. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, for me it was it was nice diving back into Toho after having some time away. Uh as they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> this film has really interesting characters, just like you were saying. Uh May, Carl, who are really an outstanding trio. And I do like the monster action with Gorosaurus. But this is also the weakest monster action overall of the entire series, and it's not even close. It's really, it's really not. And unlike, and uh, like you, or uh, unlike you, I really didn't enjoy the Tokyo Tower scenes. Mm. That was a real downer for me because I, I felt like it had. I feel like it was a scene that had been extrapolated for way too long. I didn't feel like it was very tense. So it, it really failed on me on, for multiple reasons. But the characters for this really carried the film. I mean, they they really brought me along for this journey. Because without them, I really wouldn't have had much fun. So mm-hmm. the pacing was the biggest obstacle for me. And because of that, I'm going to give this a... I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5 as well. Uh, I kind of wanted to put it at 3.5, but I like Son of Kong more than this film. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that. Son of Kong, looking back on it, there were parts that I I really did like, uh, and then there were parts that I didn't. So I'm mixed on that one. I I generally like this one probably more. I'd probably rate this one higher than Son of Kong. Yeah. Um, Not for the monster action, just for the film as a whole. Um, But yeah. It's close between the two. Yeah, I actually think I liked this one more the first time I saw it than the second time I watched it. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, so, Alex, you came up with some good rhymes for our introduction, but did you prepare some uh, for next <laughs> yeah. week's film? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, what year is the next one? 1976. Why did I think it was four? Uh, all right, yeah. So, 
Next, the next movie is King Kong 1976. Will Eric and I be glad it entered the mix? Or would we have rather played pickup sticks? <laughs> uh, it'd be hard to play pickup sticks over Zoom right now, Alex. Just going to say. Have that. you tried? Not yet. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what we should try. <laughs> uh, Mine is when rec- when Kong returns to the American shore, will we snore or cheer for more? Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I killed it this week. I hope we're cheering for more because that's a two hour and fourteen minute long film, Alex. That's all right. You know, we we, we got spoiled by the first two films. You know, a little bit with that short run time and also just being like kind of per- just perfectly what it needed. Uh, yeah. we'll see if it's bloated. You know, it, it, this just think about it. This is a primer. For Peter Jackson's King Kong, this is true. You this know, is true. <laughs> you gotta get ready for it because it's gonna be. We, we might have to. We might have to break uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh, now nah, we'll, we'll keep it one. We'll keep it into one. It'll just be a long episode, probably. Or it'll be our shortest episode ever. We'll throw everybody off our scent. True, true. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. Uh, you can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback on our website at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Your reviews really help. Oh, yeah. Alex. Oh, yeah. I'll make sure to review the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>